you may know and some of you may not, but Lincoln Angelina's son, Evan, got water baptized in Yay! Dave and Deb's hot tub. <laughs> Angelina, why don't you just share just a wee bit about that and also the story that you'd like to share too. Okay, so a um, little over a month ago, Evan came up to me, just kind of a typical day and out of the blue, he says, Mommy, when am I gonna get baptized? And I'm like, well, son, that's a choice that each of us has personally made, and it's up to you. And he says, I said, well, do you want to be baptized? He's like, well, yeah, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, when would you like to be baptized? And he wanted to be baptized for his birthday this year. And so yesterday he was, hooray. And... Part of his personal testimony, and this kind of was over the course of two weeks discussing in preparation for his baptism, was that part of the reason he wanted to be baptized is because he didn't want to be left out. His whole family had been baptized, you know, me and all the kids and Link and his dad and stuff, and uh, he didn't want to be left out. And so... I kind of was fixated on this. It, it just kept sticking with me, and I couldn't figure out why. And uh, it wasn't a bad thing. It just, it was there, like a constant on my mind. And so today I was thinking about this, just kind of to myself and with the Lord. And, and the Lord brought back a memory, and I'll share that with you today. And so I remembered the day I received Holy Spirit baptism. It was a few months before my actual water baptism. Our whole church was marching like an army for God, and Evan's cries of hunger pulled me away to the back of the room. He was an infant at the time. <laughs> As I sat breastfeeding him, I cried out to God, asking, why not me? Why did I feel excluded? Telling him I wanted to be part of his army. That's when a fellow believer came and spoke over me saying, Jesus does want me. He would have died if only for just me. I bathed Evan in tears for the rest of his feed, then went forward for prayers from God's people and fully received the Holy Spirit for the first time, officially identifying as part of God's family from that moment on. And so what was revealed to me is that in that, like, as parents, we imprint a lot of things on our children. And there's a lot of things that I've had to pray off of my children that come from how they were born, how they were raised, stuff like that, and where I come from. But this is a great and beautiful thing <laughs> that was imprinted on Evan the day I received Holy Spirit, that he wanted to be part of it too. Yeah, so that was just a beautiful thing. All right, so me and Jenny are gonna read Aww. some scripture. <laughs> me with Jenny by my side are gonna read some scripture in preparation for the sermon. From John's Gospel, we read this personal account of the resurrected Jesus' first appearance with his disciples. John 20, 19 to 23. Jesus and the disciples. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were shut where their disciples were for fear of the Judeans. Jesus came and stood in the middle of them. Peace be with you, he said. With these words, he showed them his hands and on his side. 
Then the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the master. Peace be with you, he said to them again. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. With that, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. Okay, read with me then. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. If I uh, if I share anything that really uh, that you're questioning, I'm not going to be able to tell. So you're going to have to be kind of really demonstrative with your whole body. <laughs> hey, Brent and Bonnie, thanks for yeah opening up your home and lives to us here. Uh, Jesus, thank you for this weather. Thank you that the weatherman had it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hearing this little voice. Well, I'm not done yet. Like, I'll have to make it quick. Um, yeah, so I have to kind of laugh because I, I wanted us to go to all kinds of pains uh, today to just make sure that we, you know, at least on camera, looked like we were socially distanced and doing everything right. And uh, software has failed. <laughs> Windows, of course, decided to do an upgrade right in the middle of everything, and uh, yeah, so we're it. This is we're we're live here, just us here today. We're recording. We, people might get an audio if they want to check us out later, but that's it. And in all of that, I thought about this message, and I thought about Jesus' words to first words to his disciples who were in their hiding away out of fear. I hear those words, peace be with you. You notice in this section that uh, Angelina read to us is that twice Jesus makes a point of speaking that into us. Anytime you see something appear twice, like almost within the same breadth of scripture, it's because Jesus needs to make a point. He's, he's actively doing something here. To the faithful followers of Christ, the imprisoned apostle Paul penned these words to the church in Ephesus. And I believe to us who are gathered here today, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he says, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might than we might ask or think. Let me say that again. God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I would add to that that God is willing through his mighty power that is at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I don't know about you, but if your last week was anything like mine, um, 
Maybe your email and text messaging systems on your smartphones or tablets uh, were ablaze with communications, requests for prayer. Uh, People were asking for God's power to heal, to preserve people facing some challenges to their health and in their lives. Some of those prayers had been extended to our own home here where Debbie has been pushing through the revealed effects of a herniated disc in her upper back. Before we began interceding for this fellowship and for the challenges being faced locally within our own church family and abroad, our Wednesday community prayer invited God's Spirit. We invited God's Spirit to empower our ministry of prayer. Give us wisdom to pray for understanding. Open our eyes to see through your eyes, Lord. And not unlike Paul's exhortation in prayer, we confessed our need for God to embolden us with his mighty spirit who is at work in us. Through this season, I I confess to carrying in my heart our need and the world's desperate need for a greater grace, for a measure of God's manifest power for healing in our midst. Maybe the kind like we read about and we see in the life and ministry of Jesus and his apostles. I mean, it is, after all, one of the signatures of God's calling on our lives. We read it here in our scriptures. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What do you think of when you think of those words? What do you think of? Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What comes to your mind? To somebody? Sure. Sure. And what else? Scared. Scary. It's scary, Jesus. Sure. Certainly one of the things that Jesus did that uh, that our scriptures allude to a lot is uh, there were a lot of times when the disciples were with Jesus that they're looking for him and he'd gone off somewhere to pray, right? You know, that was a part of what Jesus did. So why, why today, why park ourselves on this particular set of scriptures? In part, it, it was because I wanted to remind ourselves of the centrality of our faith. Jesus' resurrection from the dead marks a powerful new beginning of a whole new work of creation that's at taking place in this world. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is the resurrected Jesus speaking to his disciples, to his followers. On that evening of the first day of the week, the disciples shut themselves off from the world. Have you ever felt like just shutting yourself off from the world? 
Does it feel like we've been doing that for a while now? Yeah. Oh. I found it ironic, actually, as I thought about that. On the evening of that first day, the disciples shut themselves off from the world and they hid themselves out of fear. They hid themselves away for fear of the continued reprisal. What was happening to Jesus might just be an escalation of the things that will happen to us. They hid themselves away. Now, there were two separate reports that confirmed that Jesus was alive. This came from notable people within their fellowship or their group of disciples, the larger group. Do you remember who they were? There's the women. <laughs> a woman came back with a report that Jesus is alive. And then there were the two disciples who were who'd run all the way, clear all the way back from Emmaus to tell them this amazing account of Jesus. Mark writes that it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to console their stubborn unbelief. And it's into this scene that Jesus suddenly appears. They're still grieving and weeping. Just hold off, Jesus. We're grieving and weeping right now. You can just imagine the exchange that's taking place. They're grieving and they're weeping over the loss of Jesus. They can't be consoled. Sometimes we find ourselves in those places of life where we can't be consoled. Well, that's where they were. Jesus appears suddenly in the scene and he wasn't knocking on the door. It wasn't that little revelation, that trite little revelation verse that we like to quote. You know, Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking at the door of your heart, waiting for you to open it. No, Jesus just marches right in. He doesn't even worry about the door. Just suddenly he appears. Physically he came and he stood in the midst of them. And speaking directly to the very thing that they needed most, Jesus spoke into them, peace be with you. Commanding words, right? Doesn't sound like an option. Jesus is just speaking that into them. You know that Jesus' resurrection and life-sustaining presence within us changes everything. It changes even our circumstances. It wasn't just Thomas who doubted and struggled to believe. Remember, we've sometimes, poor Thomas has been labeled as doubting Thomas. Have you ever come across that? Why just Thomas? What about the rest of the guys? I wonder who penned that, that idea. Well, I would, he was just the last guy to finally come and and be invited to touch the wounds in Jesus' side, his scars in his hands and the wounding in his side. It's just not Thomas who doubted and struggled to believe the reports of Jesus' resurrection, his physical resurrection. But it was every one of his closest friends. And every one of Jesus' closest friends needed to be saved out of their fears. Jesus' gift to his disciples and his gift to us is his resurrected body and his peace. 
before Jesus was delivered up to the religious leaders and eventually to Pontius Pilate to be unjustly sentenced and crucified, he shared this promise to his followers. And I'm reading here out of John chapter 14, verses 26 to 27, was during his last celebration meal with the disciples. In a in amongst the many things that he had to say to his disciples, and here in verse 26, he says, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that Angelina was talking about. When he sends the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything that I have told you. Apparently, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are in agreement about some things. And get this. Jesus says to the disciples, and he would say to us now, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. How many of us could use that right now? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give you. It's not just a shot in the arm <laughs> to give you peace of mind. And just so as you know, Debbie and I both have a shot in the arm. But he gives us a peace of mind and heart that the world cannot give. So listen to his remedy to you. I'm giving you this. And then he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I've got this and I've got you. All of us have been invited to step away from the snare of unbelief and fear. When I thought about unbelief and fear, that was the word that came to my mind. It's like a trap, isn't it? When we get ourselves stuck in that. How many of you know that fear wars against our faith and our trust in God? <laughs> it is a literal war. It impedes, fear impedes our ability to discern and to lovingly engage with God and to hear his voice. And even hearing his voice to receive the things that he has to say, to discern what it is that he's saying and the tone in which we hear him saying it. Over and against this, Jesus presents the truth of his resurrected body and of the presence of his spirit who will not only teach us everything that we need to know, but his spirit comes as Jesus' gift to us, peace of mind and peace of heart. Jesus does not want us to be troubled or to be afraid. Isn't that a great thing to know? And don't ever think that he's trying to shame you into this other place. That's not it. His invitation is to receive him and to receive the peace that only the Holy Spirit can give. More than ever, we need to be living out of a 
confessed and a quantifiable dependence in this peace of God, don't we? And in the power of his Holy Spirit. I I say this standing here in an open field. We don't need a building (laughs) to exercise this faith and even this presence of God. We don't, we don't need those things. But we do need him, and we do need one another. I mean, these are all gifts of the Lord to us. Dear friends, we, we're the temple for the habitation and the presence of God. As strange as that might seem. As wonderful as that might seem. It's a living and a holy presence that reaches out to sustain and encourage us. It's a living and holy presence that comes preaching love and forgiveness. And in its masked and unmasked presence, it breathes resurrection, life, and healing to anyone who can receive the resurrected Jesus. Apparently, Jesus hasn't read the health order information on safe distances and distancing. That's not. Jesus presses it in, and he presses into our our greatest needs. And our greatest need is him. Twelve years ago, I, I found myself visiting one of our friends in the hospital, Patricia, we called her Pat. She was a member of our church family in the Campbell River Vineyard. Increasingly in Pat's life, she struggled with COPD and that oftentimes landed her in the hospital. Now she had had a testimony, she had had a years of personal struggles and Lifestyle, lifestyle choices that had saddled her with a number of challenges in her life. Part of that was the health of her heart and her lungs. That, that was just part of choices that she had made through her life. Now regardless, Pat knew well enough that Jesus loved her. And then as long as she still had breath, and I, I use that term very literally in her case, she wanted to share the message of his love and his forgiveness to anyone who would listen. Tied to her oxygen bottle and growing increasingly confined to her home, Pat was given to pray, and she was dependent on the phone calls and visits, uh, visits of others. Now, the bright side of her increasing visits to the hospital (laughs) meant that she had the opportunity to share her faith with nurses, with attendants, and with patients alike. She almost looked forward to finding out who was going to be moving into her room with her. During one of those days, Pat introduced me to one of her newest friends and bedside roommates. Nola Miller, 
was in the final stages of a pancreatic cancer. And her treatments were basically strictly palliative when I was first introduced to her. And with some excitement, Pat introduced me to Nola as one of her pastors from her church family. Very quickly, Nola shared that she'd been estranged from God throughout her entire life. Since very early in her years as a mother, she struggled uh, with the loss of a cherished young boy. He'd been running around the lakeside and he slipped on the wet wharf. He struck his head and he slid down into the water and there he drowned. It's a sad story. Coming now very close to the end of her life, Nola had struggled for years trying to understand where a God could have possibly been in all of this tragedy. Debbie and I, we we understood something of the tragic loss of a child. There's a profound letting go of our trust to God. There's a profound, untimely, an unreasonable death that is associated with a loss like this. And then there's this ultimate surrender of our loved ones to God. But what if you had no understanding of God? No one to let that child go to. Man, I, I think back in our life and I think this would have all been way too much to bear on our own. But as God sent his son, so too the resurrected Jesus sent us out in power and the love of his spirit to comfort others. Nola had been reaching out through the hospital's admitting team to put out a call to a traditional congregation, someone of the cloth to come and visit her. But it had been a week since that request had been made and there had been no visitations from a local pastor. I guess I would just have to do. (laughs) Pat was almost kind of excited about that. That's when she introduced me as her pastor and the door was opened. I I looked for any, any evidence of asking about his faith. I mean, that's always a really awkward thing to do. And especially when you're talking to somebody who you know is already on the clock. (laughs) And then quite honestly, there she gave me this story about her, her firstborn son and the tragedy of that loss. How, if there is a God, how, how could he allow a tragedy like that to happen? That's a great opening. I I looked around to see if if she could provide anything, anything that would speak to me about her faith. The only thing she could provide was this carefully stitched needlepoint cross that had somehow come into her possession. She quite honestly didn't even understand the significance of the cross except that it was a religious Christian symbol 
in a gift that was given to her in kind. She confessed to owning no Bible and only shared a grand distaste of things that she had read at one time in the Old Testament years previous. In a staff meeting with our senior pastor and an ordained lay minister, a friend of ours in the Vineyard congregation, I shared that a visit, another visit was in order for Pat and they most certainly needed to check in with her new bedside roommate. I said nothing much more than that. Well, Joan, she left that meeting without any of the details that I had discussed in my conversation with Nola, and she went straightway to purchase, get this, a New Testament Bible. She purchased it for Nola, and she took it to her. Now, you want to meet somebody that's demonstrative and a lover of people and an evangelist to the core, then you, I've got to introduce you to Joan someday. She gifted that New Testament Bible to Nola, and I expect she probably instructed her to begin reading the gospel right out of John. Over the course of the next three weeks, Nola was visited, and she was prayed for not by one, not by two, but three pastors from our Vineyard Fellowship. In a conversation with Nola, she struggled, she said, to believe that she was even good enough for God. That's where it all came washing down to. (laughs) I was so excited when she said that. I said, do you want to hear some really great news? None of us are good enough. But he comes for us anyways. Jesus has come for us. And he's taken all of the consequence for our sin and our bitterness, even our rebellion toward him. He's He's taken all of that upon himself. And I could say to her with absolute confidence, Nola, looking at her situation and just how those those weeks had gone, Nola, God has moved heavens and earth to simply tell you that he loves you. That's it. Do I understand all of these things? Do I understand loss? Yes, I certainly do. Nola's struggle with cancer was painfully short or maybe mercifully short. But thankfully, she was in our lives long enough for her to prepare herself to meet the Lord in heaven. Yeah. I assured her that they would have lots to talk about. And that ultimately she again would be able to see that loving young son of hers. You know, that her heart had ached for for pretty much all her adult life. I share Nola's story because it almost surprisingly it came up in my notes as I was considering this word here today. I thought about the honor that it is to carry Jesus in us and to share him with others. It's a beautiful thing. Is, is, 
Is Jesus good news to you? Like, does he present as good news? I want to say to you that the, the world needs us. The world needs God's people to step out from behind their doors and to walk among the people in this world in the love and the power of his spirit. The world needs to know and experience something that only Jesus can give, that he gives through his Holy Spirit. The world needs peace of mind. If ever the world needed it, it needs it now. And not only peace of mind, but Jesus says that that gift will bring peace of heart. So is the door a barrier or an opportunity? I guess it depends whose door you're standing in front of or behind. I, I believe that God wants to open doors, open people's hearts to us, and especially in this day. And it, it's just about being available, right? Just making ourselves available. And maybe being like Jesus, being discovered missing because you're off praying somewhere, spending time with them. That seems like almost an impossibility when you're raising young children, isn't it? <laughs> What's that? They find you everywhere. They're like your, they're like your mini-me disciples. <laughs> Where is Jesus gone? Where is mommy gone? Where is she? I wonder if it was like that for the disciples. What on earth are we possibly going to do? Like, where is he? You know, there's a, there's a wonderful little story out of the New Testament where Jesus takes less than a handful of his disciples up a mountain to pray. Do you remember that story? And he changes before them in the presence. Like three guys, man, they're in on it, right? They're in on it. Jesus, like radiating lightning from his vests and body and just transforming in front of them. And then Moses and Elijah, they're with him. <laughs> like it's pretty spectacular. But what about the rest of the guys? What are they doing? You know, imagine if they woke up and they're like, did anybody put coffee on? Like... Maybe they're outside. Where have they gone? Where, are they po where possibly could they have gone? But you know what their one response to do was? And talk about faith. Like you can't get on these guys' case. You remember that Jesus finds them later on down at the bottom of the mountain and they can't drive the spirit out from this young demoniac boy? But they were trying. They were out there trying and exercising the things that Jesus had taught them to do. Uh, I'd rather be caught trying and failing than not trying anything at all. Jesus sends us out 
And all we got to do is say yes.